encourage you to take out your Bibles if you would. We're not going to be having children's church or Sunday school, at least in the near future. We're still processing that and evaluating that as well, but so our kids are going to be in here with us this morning. But I encourage you to take out your Bible and turn over to Genesis chapter 1. Thank you, Chuck. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 20 through 31. And before we do that, I forgot to mention someone that we all should be extremely thankful for, and that's this young man in the first row, Jeremy Jones. Let's give him a round of applause. He's probably the one, along with the Holy Spirit, who's kept us connected, you know? how we, we've been able to meet, and so we're grateful for Jeremy and his knowledge and technology and his help. In Genesis chapter 1, actually look at verse 26. We're going to look at verses 20 through 31 as we continue to talk about Genesis and unlocking the Bible, the creative work of God. We're going to look at the last two days of creation today, but our scripture reading is about the creation of man and woman. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. An image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. So as we come here on June 7th, we're dealing with a couple things. We're still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic in many ways, as we see evidence by masks and tape on pews and all these things. And It's interesting that as I traveled to Virginia last week, every state's different. Even every store you go into here is different. I went into a local store and had my mask in my other car and had to buy a mask. The next store I went to, you didn't need a mask. And so we're all processing and learning through this as well. But then you add into this, this whole situation, especially with uh, George Floyd and and the the terrible uh, things that happened with his death and the injustice that's going on there, and also people protesting and people taking advantage of that opportunity to protest by bringing destruction and violence on top of it all. And I think it's so interesting as we come to this passage of Scripture, because we're going to talk about how you and I are made in the image of God, and how so many times God's Word speaks to what's going on right now in our world, in our society, in our time. That's what's so great about God's Word. It crosses culture, it crosses time, it's authoritative, it doesn't speak directly, but gives you principles to take care of whatever situation, whatever question that you may have in life. And it's just going to be that today. 
And so as we talk about how life began and how God breathed into Adam a soul and how God made each human being, beginning with Adam and his image, and as a result of all the human beings being created in God's image, we need to show respect and dignity and love for every human being, for everyone we come in contact with. It means we're to love the lovely, but also to love our enemies as well. Remember that we're all created by God, but we are not all God's children. Sometimes you'll hear people say we're all God's children, but that's not true. The Bible says that we are all created by him, but we have to come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ to be his children. It says in John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So let's review for a moment what we talked about last week. And if you have it on your app, you can see these notes. But the declaration of who the creator is. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It presumes that there is a God who created everything out of nothing. He put it all together. And then we talked about the description of those involved in his creative work. In Genesis 1.2, talks about the Holy Spirit hovering over the darkness and the waters. And then the demonstration of God's creativity in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 19. We talked about day one, the separation of light and darkness in verses 3 through 5. And day two, the separation of the seas and the skies, verses 6 through 8. The third day, we talked about the separation of the seas and the land and the creation of fruitful vegetation, verses 9 through 13. And we finished off with day four last week, the separation of the created light by day and the created lights, the moon and the stars by night, verses 14 through 19. We're going to look at the last two days of creation today as we continue the demonstration of God's creativity in verses 20 through 31 to finish out this chapter. The first thing you see on day five is the creation of the sea creatures and birds. The creation of sea creatures and birds. Look at verse 20, if you would, of Genesis 1. It says, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Day five corresponds with day two of creation. God creates the beautiful creatures of the sea. And if you ever have been snorkeling or been to an aquarium, you can see, or even in clear water where you can look down and see the fish, you can see the amazing uniqueness of so many different kinds of fish. It's interesting as he creates this that God uses that word bara again, which means to create something out of nothing. He made something out of no pre-existing material. But not just fish, not just coral life, but also sea reptiles. There's a picture on the screen of a plesiosaur, a plesiosaur. The plesiosaur is about 15 feet long with a broad flat body and a relatively short tail. It swam by flapping its fins in the water, much like a sea lion would, but it has a modified underwater flight type motion. The nostrils were located far back on the head near the eyes. 
The neck was very long and flexible, and the animal may have fed by swinging his, his uh, mouth with those teeth, swinging it back and forth, eating on schools of fish. And so we see some of the unique things that we don't see today. This animal is extinct. Ancient people worshipped the dragons and the monsters of the sea as if they were God. There were some sizable sea animals mentioned in the Old Testament. Remember, remember Jonah, God made a unique fish, a large fish, just for him to live in in three days and three nights and then uh, spit him up on the shore. We think of the Leviathan, worshipped by the Ugar people who lived north of Canaan. And they called that great sea creature the god of the seas. The Egyptians worshipped crocodiles. Their god of crocodiles called Sobek. But the Leviathan is mentioned several times in the Bible. You read about it in the book of Job. But in Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1, the prophet said, In that day the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that's in the sea. There were big sea creatures, but now many of them have gone extinct uh, over time. And then God not only filled the waters, but he also created the birds of the air, all types of birds, and even some reptile airborne animals. Here's a picture of one, Terra Jodan, had a wingspan of 23 feet, had toothless jaws like a pelican, soared by their wings due to their length rather than flapping their wings. They kind of floated because of the length of their wings. They glided. And God said that he saw that it was all good. And the world was created with age, with mature plants, mature animals capable of reproduction. He had a balanced ecosystem, as I mentioned last week. Think about it. We breathe out carbon dioxide. Plants need carbon dioxide. They pour out oxygen. Keeps balance in the world around us. We think of cycles of water. Rain comes down. It's absorbed into the ground and then evaporates and goes back up into the clouds. And when the clouds are saturated, once again, it rains or it snows or hail or sleet. It all comes around. And minerals are the soil to grow things, the right amount of sun and water. Think about how God was exact in the way that he created each animal and each plant for its unique, special purpose on this planet. I love what the writer of the, one of the commentaries I'm looking at, Paradise to Prison, he said this, perhaps science is, after all, watching God at work. And maybe that's what it is. I think we're just discovering what God has already revealed. And as we move on in our intellect and in our abilities, we begin to discover what he is up to and what he's doing. Thinking God's thoughts after him. Discovering God's revelations for us. Think of gravity. Isaac Newton was sitting under a tree and an apple hit him in the head. And that's how he came about with this idea of gravity. Think of Albert Einstein and the theory of relativity. And on and on we could go, discoveries and inventions that people have made. So here's our application to the fifth day, that God created the world with age so that the earth would be a beautiful place for life in general and specifically a home for mankind. Remember we said last week that God is putting us all together, not just for the animals and the sea creatures, but specifically for man to enjoy living in this beautiful place called earth. Now we come to the climax of all that God created. The sixth day is the crowning jewel of creation because God makes man to be the purpose of his creation. 
Day six, the creation of the animals and mankind. Look at verse 24, if you have your Bible open. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Day six parallels day three of creation. God gets everything set up on day three for animals and man to live on earth happily. Animals and man need dry land and vegetation at this point to survive. Notice here that God creates the land animals. He talks about the cattle, the livestock, those four-footed animals. Things that creep on the ground, the things that my wife doesn't like. She doesn't like snakes and worms. Those type of things creep along the ground. And then the beasts of the earth, the elephants, the lions, the tigers, the gazelles. God pronounced this aspect of creation as good. And notice he distinguishes animals from man. This is unlike evolution. Look at verse 26 as he begins to talk about the creation of man. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. A lot of debate, theological scholars, on what that means, let us make man in our own image and likeness. What does that us mean? What does it look like in a practical terms? Well, first of all, let's look at the word make. It means as or in essence as. You and I were made somewhat in some amount of ability to be like God. Let's debate the debate on that. Let's just talk about a little bit about that, um, the us part of it. It could be that God is speaking in the royal we. He's speaking for himself and his attendants. That's what some people may think. It could be God talking to himself. It could be God talking to angels around the throne. But most scholars believe that God is talking about the Trinity, that we are like them in that aspect. We see that in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 where he says to Isaiah, he says, who will go for us? Who will I send out for us? The Trinity is involved in the process of creation. God is seen speaking and creating the world into existence. The Holy Spirit in verse 2 is part of the process, hovering over, doing some of the work. And then also Jesus Christ, according to John, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through Christ, and without him was not anything made that was made. So we see the Trinity at work. So it makes sense that when he says, let us make man in our image, he's talking about the Trinity. And I, I love this quote. You might want to write this down if you're taking notes. This is a powerful, profound quote. John Salman says, the singular human being is created as a plurality, male and female. We talk about mankind, but there's two versions of mankind. There's male and female. But in a similar way, the one God created humanity through an expression of his plurality. What an amazing, amazing thought that we are made in the very image of God. We're not God, but we have some of the characteristics as we'll talk about. As God makes man, this is the seventh creative act in this chapter. 
Man is created separate and distinct from all the creatures God created. And God breathed into man a soul, into his being, different than the animals. It just tells us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, which we'll look at next week. It says, And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Every subsequent human being that's born has the imago deo, the Latin term for the image of God imprinted into their soul. What does it mean to have a soul, first of all? Well, what makes us different from animals is that man is self-aware of his existence. We know that we are alive. Man has a conscience born within us that we have the ability to make moral decisions right from wrong. Humankind is able to make logical decisions as well. Mankind has speech. These are all things that make man different and distinct from animals. Well, then how are we like God? How are we made in his image? Well, we have to understand two things. There's the communicable attributes of God, those things that are passed on to man, and there's the incommunicable attributes of God. So what are the communicable ones? Well, we have in, in a finite and a limited amount because of sin, these things, love and justice and the ability to show mercy and to have wisdom and have life and truth and holiness and knowledge, just to name a few. Some of these things are what we are because, and we have these emotions and we have these abilities to show these emotions and make these decisions because we're made in the image of God. But we do not possess in any capacity as human beings God's incommunicable attributes, things only attributable to him. Those would be omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. God is transcendent. He's outside of history. He's everywhere in the universe. We can't be that. But he's also eminent in that he is willing to come and to invade our history and connect with us, to have a relationship with us. So what was God's purpose in making man in his image? He wanted to bless his creation. And he also wanted us to glorify him in all that we do, in the work that he will lay out as we continue on in Genesis. But most importantly, he made us to have a relationship with him. God doesn't need a relationship. He desires to have a relationship with us. And so we function by ruling and having dominion over the earth, as it says in these verses. We have dominion over animals and plants. We don't have dominion over the weather. We don't have dominion over the oceans. We can't control them from coming up on the shore when floods or hurricanes come. And not everything is under our dominion because of sin, obviously. Jesus now is ruler over everything with his unseen power. But one day, we're going to be co-heirs with Jesus Christ, and we're going to rule and reign on this planet and have dominion like Jesus will have when he sets up his rule and reign in the millennium and the new heaven and the new earth as well. Hebrews 2 talks about that. He says, for it was not the angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Quoting from Psalm 8. You made him man for a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. But now he switches and he talks about Jesus. Now in putting everything in subjection to Christ, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything 
in subjection to Christ. But he is. The Bible says everything consists and subsists because of Christ. We just can't see it. And one day it'll be in a physical form. Let's look at verse 28 of Genesis 1. And God blessed man and woman. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God blesses mankind. What does that mean? It means that he wants man to be enriched, to be fertile. God told them to be fruitful and multiply. God said in marriage, have sex and have lots of sex and have children as well. We know children in the Old Testament were a sign of wealth, much more than money. In Psalm 127, it tells us, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, who has lots of children. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Men and women's role that is being taught here in Genesis 1, 29 through 31, is that we're to be God's ambassador and his representative on earth, doing the work that he wants us to do and having dominion over the things that he's given us rule and reign over. He talks about their subduing the land. It's the same command God gave to Israel to go and occupy the promised land and to drive the people out and to be in control of it. Then we look at verses 29 through 30. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Notice, only man, another distinction from animals, is given dominion over the things of the earth. Not any other creating being has this opportunity. This meant that God wanted men and women to enjoy the environment fully that God created for all of his created beings, especially humans. The fall of man obviously affected this and limited the rule of man having the dominion that God designed for him to have. And men and women as well as animals are to eat plant-based food, plant-based diet. We hear a lot about that in our society today. It talks about plant-yielding seed. Eat those types of plants. Eat fruit. And then he says, eat green plants. Green plants for us would be lettuce, cabbage, those types of things. Mankind and animals began as plant-eating animals and human beings. And then lastly, he wraps up this chapter in verse 31. He says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. God says for the seventh time, adding the adverb very here, that what he created was good, very good on the sixth day. Literally translated, very good means this. It was the very best that it could possibly be. It was the very best that could possibly be. There isn't anything better than what God created in the Garden of Eden in paradise before the fall. There wasn't anything that mankind or animals needed. God made a perfect creation. And his creation was completed on the sixth day. And all that was made from nothing was now created and established on planet Earth and in the universe. So here's the application. The capstone of all creation was a day God created animals and man for life on a perfect planet. 
And that's what God designed us for, to live in perfection, to never die, to be able to enjoy the work that he had given man to do as he related to God in a constant communion with him. That was the goal. You and I, we truly live on a privileged planet at a privileged time. We should thank God for that each and every day. And here's our key thought. God concluded his creative work by saying that his creation was the very best that it could possibly be. You and I were made in the image of God. God doesn't make junk. There aren't really, in God's eyes, illegitimate people. God has a plan for everyone, even someone born with Down syndrome. We're made in the image of God. So I hope you ponder these questions this week. First of all, are you amazed at the beauty of life in our waters? If you have the chance to, just this week, maybe watch a National Geographic thing or look at pictures or, you know, we don't have an aquarium around us, but think about all the unique fish and sea creatures and coral and things that are in the water. Second of all, in what ways are you appreciative of how God allowed you and I to live on this privileged planet called Earth? Man, we're in the midst of summer, and it's beautiful. We see the vegetation around us. We can enjoy the sunshine. We can get out and do things. What is man that you're mindful of him? Speaking to God about the amazement of our relationship with him. Why are we, of all things, the center of God's focus, relationship, and creation? It's awe-inspiring to think about that. So our concluding thoughts and our life response, a couple things I want to leave you with and I want to watch a video as we conclude here today. God made everyone in the human race the same because they're all created by him. Don't ever forget that. We need to let our prejudices and racism go. The media likes to put people in particular categories and stereotypes, but we're all, we all come from Adam and Eve. We're all made in the image of God. And we needed to be discerning about people and their behaviors for sure, but each person is different. We think of an African-American doctor, Ben Carson, world-renowned surgeon, now in the cabinet of the United States, and how he grew up in a very poor home. He talks about how his mom made him go to the library with his brothers to get books and read and give her a book report every week, and then later in life he found out she couldn't even read, and how she was trying to better him so that he could go on and be successful. And then we also come to George Floyd, you know. Some, Janet Parshall said he's a believer, and I hope he, he was and is. I hope he's in heaven. But he had a sordid lifestyle and a lot of things. But yet both of them were made in the image of God. They deserve dignity, respect, and love. So we should this week, or in the near future, look for somebody that we see that is different from us and maybe talk to them. Find out their story. Find out their background. Uh, step out of our comfort zone a little bit and remind ourselves that these folks are made in the image of God and that we need to share the love and mercy of God toward them. And lastly, God made you in his image to restore you to relationship with him and to become the perfect person God intended for you to be. When you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you began the process of what we call progressive sanctification, to be made progressively daily into the image of him. And when we pass from this life, whether it's through the rapture or whether it's through our death, we're going to have a glorified body that's perfect, that's going to be just like Jesus' body. 
But until then, we're going to face trials and tribulations. We're going to have blessings. And these things are all to chisel away the imperfections in our life, especially because of our sinful nature. One of my favorite songs is by Laura Story. In the last refrain of her song, Blessing, she says, What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? It's those darkest nights that we get closest to God and build deep relationships with him. Just remember that nothing happens to you that hasn't already first passed through the hands of the sovereign God who loves you and wants the very best for you. We may stumble, we may fall, but God can pick us back up if we repent and turn to him and then he can even restore the years that we were away from him. I love what it says in Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Through the spirit of God, your life can change. Your habits can be broken by the resurrection power of Christ. I close today with this video. It's by Gunger. It's called, You Make Beautiful Things Out of Dust. And watch particularly at the very end what this little girl does as we watch this video. Let's watch it together. <laughs> 